welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, hi, Preston. <laughs> how, are you doing? Well. how are you? I'm doing very well. Nice to see you guys. Nice you to see too. you too. The <laughs> wow, look at your hair. Yeah, look at yours. <laughs> I know, right? I know mine's, mine is crazy right now. It's just, you know, I, I, I might as well just shave the sides off and just go with the top part. But, uh, mm. you know, I got to be presentable in the world, I guess, right? How, mm. how are you two? Is it four o'clock over there? It yes, is, indeed. and good morning to good. you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for talking to us so early. <laughs> I got up early. I did a little run. I was like, all right, I got to get ready. And then, uh, yeah, I was having a little voice malfunction earlier. So we'll see if we can get through this. But um, I've been kind of combing over. Oh, first of all, are you ready to talk? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. As ready as can be. Always. As ready as can be. I'm sure you heard the recording and process. Um, creepy voice at the beginning. So this is already being mm-hmm. recorded. I wanted to really quickly before we get started, just ask a stupid question about the pronunciation of both of your last names, just so I don't screw it up. Um, it's Venon or Venon, whichever one you like, really. No. I don't really mind. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is important. And then is it just Verity? It is. Okay. It is. Perfect. All right. I just wanted to make sure, get that out of the way at the beginning. So thanks for being on the podcast. I wanted to first talk about myself no <laughs> um, no no i just wanted to talk about my experience with art finder um i've done a favorite online art marketplaces episode before and art finder was at the top of the list art finder the platform was actually the first place that i ever sold a major piece online i think this was close to 7 years ago and yeah. since then i'm like approaching 200 sales and 100 uh five star reviews and I've actually sold a lot of diptychs, triptychs, and quadriptychs. So it's well over 200 pieces that I've actually sold in ArtFinder. And it accounts for like a third or more of my actual total art sales, which is great. That's amazing. So I wanted to thank you and ArtFinder for giving me that platform to be able to do that in the first place. And I know it's been wonderful for a lot of other artists too. I just wanted to start by having you talk about yourself. What do you do at ArtFinder? What's your, ti- what's your official title and, and a little bit about what you do? And either one of you can start. Okay, Okay, I'll go. Jane, get it. Okay, so my current job title is Senior Marketing Manager, but I have been at ArtFinder a very long time. So I joined about six years ago, which is like an eternity in startup land. And I was recruited into ArtFinder to do PR, which is my background. Mm-hmm. And then my role has become more broad and more kind of generalist marketing as those years have gone by. Yes. And I told you last time we spoke, you were kind of OG 
like me. With, yeah. Uh, How long has Artfinder actually been in existence? It's been about what, seven or eight years? Longer, 2010. Oh, wow. When really? The business started, but then we, it was like slightly different to begin with. And then it pivoted to become the art marketplace model that it is today in 2013. Oh, so we kind of, we, yeah, we count 2013 as when art started. Before that, it was a kind of Wikipedia for famous art and you could oh, buy really? posters of the famous art. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't but, even aware um, of that. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird prehistory. So okay. yeah, 2010 so, or 2013. 2010, 2013, depending on where you're starting it. That's a little art finder trivia for everybody. I didn't know that. And and David, how about you? Um, so my job art finder is community leader. Uh, it makes it sound like I'm running a cult of some sort. But it's really not <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I are obsessed with cults right now. Yeah, know? yeah. The word leader made me a little bit queasy at first. I was like, am I? The, am I? Am I really the <laughs> leader? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the you. idea is that it's it's very much being a community manager. Basically, uh, it's it's about um, being a voice for our community of artists, being a bridge between our community of artists and the company and our mm-hmm. team, making sure that we create a lot of occasions for us to interact with each other because I think it's really important. Managing the forum, uh, any avenue of communications that we have to artists, we have an artist newsletter, for example, all sorts of things like that. Um, yes. So just make sure that artists are aware of what we're doing, that we're aware of you know how they're feeling and what's going on in the community and trying to facilitate communication as much as possible, which is a key part of, you know, a happy community. Yeah, both of those are very big jobs. And I want to tell you, because, you know, a lot of artists right now are on multiple art marketplaces online, and it is so important to have people who actually listen to you. I know that's a difficult (laughs) task. We'll get into that a little bit later. It's a difficult task uh, dealing with so many artists and, you know, personalities and maybe even egos. But there's so many other art platforms that are just like, well, you know, do your thing. And then, you know, la, la, la. Like, we don't, you know, we don't know what's going on. We have no open communication. So that is, that's great. That's one thing I really love about Artfinder. So thank you for both talking to us about that. I have a question I always ask everybody, which is origin story. It's kind of like superhero-like, but just a little bit of your background, you know, just growing up, what got you into art? Why are you interested in art and how you became a part of Artfinder? So why don't we let David start this time, Jane? If you're okay with that, hey. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can fight. Okay, all right. Um, so I'm originally from France. I lived in France for 25 years and then moved to England uh, in 2004. So it's been 17 years now. It feels like it's been twice as long. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this feels like home to me, yeah, to be honest. Uh, I think I've, I've accustomed myself to my life here. I love the language. And uh, my art career has been quite patchy, to say the least. I've studied art in high school for three years, and then I went on to university to do a degree for two years. Um, didn't get my degree at the end of the two years for some silly reason, uh, not even because of my art practice, but just because I took a language that was a dead language and I didn't study enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> Work for everyone. Just make sure you study all your modules. Um, <laughs> for everyone. So I, I give up on the study you know, area altogether, went into working, but I could never really let go of art because it was what I'd done since I was a kid. It was everything about me. I felt this is where my brain is the happiest. This is how I normally see the world, Mm -hmm. think about the world generally. So it's never been a hobby for me. It's always been something that's quite vital to me and I do on a daily basis, but I just never made a living out of it. I went back into studying and decided to do a fashion design course because I was really into fashion and creating collections. 
Um, so got a fashion design degree, was going to go to Paris to work in a fashion house of sorts. And then so if I'm going to do this, live on the seventh floor in a tiny flat, work as a waiter on the side, I might as well do this in a bigger city. So I came to London yeah. uh, with <laughs> not very much and a little bag. <laughs> and a little <laughs> the hero's journey. Yeah, definitely that. It wasn't very heroic, really. <laughs> so maybe if that were okay, it would have been better. I stupidly thought that being French, it was going to be quite a credit for me that I'd studied fashion design, you know, French fashion designer coming to London. Yeah. I said, I'm just going to drop my CVs everywhere and I'm just going to get a job like this. Of course, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like every uh, actor's story down here in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very that. It's very that. So I ended up working in the service industry generally, worked in restaurants, works in bars, shops, customer service for quite a long time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very different industries. Never give up on art, but had kind of given up on making a living out of it, like turning into a profession um, for various reasons, insecurities mostly. And the fact that, you know, you have to get on with life, you have to pay your rent, your bills and so forth. And you kind of forget uh, because you don't really have the time. You do a full-time job. At the end of the day, you don't really have the energy or the time to just focus on your art as well. So I kind of put it on the back burner for quite a while. Went freelance for a bit, didn't really work out either. I think I was a bit too young for that. I hadn't matured enough as an artist or as a person, to be Mm -hmm. fair. So again, put that aside. And then after a while, two years ago, so the ad for Artfinder, uh, and that was a revelation to me because it was the first time that I could do a job that was you know, not only paying my rent and my bills, but also was heavily linked to my main interest. And then interviewed for a company that said, well, we want to help artists make a living out of their art. How do you feel about that? And I was like, this is my life. Uh, yes. <laughs> You're basically <laughs> wanting to make my dream come true. So yes, right. I support you. And yes, I will very much want to work with you. And it's been fantastic ever since. Like it's been invaluable for me to see what it's like for artists to make a living out of their art and what it demands and what it requires uh, in a very practical way, as much as in a, you know, more mental way, like what is needed in terms of attitude as well. Uh, It's made me want to pursue my art career fully. It's made me want to want to try to be more creative and just allocate more time for me to create. So it's been a great motivation for that. So I think Art Fund has done a lot for me and my art career whilst not physically doing anything for Oscar, if you, if you see what I mean. Right. Yeah. Almost like, you know, giving you that proper mentality to, yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like for a me, bit, I was, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say just a, a better, like a more realistic insight yes. as to what was needed, which I didn't have. I had a very immature way to look at it. I saw that if I create stuff, someone will buy it, but it's not that you have to put yourself out there a lot. You have to produce a lot. You have to market yourself a lot. And it demands a lot of time Preach. and a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, for me, you know, I was it's similar to my story. I came down here, I did acting and painting. I was like, I'm going to do both. I'm going to just kill it. And I waited tables for 16 or 17 years while I was transitioning wow. into mm-hmm. being a full-time artist. And I was stubborn because I was like, I'm not going to get a good job because if I get a good job, I'm never going to come back. And so I was like, I'm going to keep doing this job that I dislike. <laughs> so I have the motivation <laughs> to become an artist. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And luckily I was stubborn. And luckily it paid off. But, you know, it is difficult because a lot of artists just kind of think, oh, I'll just create something beautiful and somebody will notice my genius and then they will just sell my artwork. <laughs> but no, you have to learn how to wear that hat. And Artfinder did the same thing for me. I actually used it as a job. I did it part-time. Every morning I would get up and upload something. I started uploading every day, something new. 
engage in the community, do all this. And I was like, I'm just keep, and I keep doing it until I'm getting sales. I see people getting sales. I know it's possible. And then I finally got my first sale and it was like, oh, this is working. Mm-hmm. And I just kept repeating that. And finally, I started making some sales and I, I saved up some money to, to pay down my, uh, my debt. And then I just kind of burned the boats and jumped into it and never looked back. So that's great. I mean, I, I relate to your story. And uh, Jane, it's your turn. Oh, well, I'm going to start by saying that I interviewed David for his role. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so you're responsible. The story responsible, yeah. Blame Jane. <laughs> that moment, because David was one of our first hires after the COVID lockdown. And oh, wow. oh, that was such a strange time for everyone, right? Like we team up finder with eight people at that time. And... You know, it was kind of like mid-March and um, someone said, oh, let's do a day trial of working mm-hmm. from home tomorrow just to see if we can, just, you know, in case something happens. And then after that day, we never came back. <laughs> that <laughs> right. that day, one was day one oh, and that my was God. it. And we didn't, and we were just all at home. And then, you know, like Art Finder's COVID journey was that we saw, you know, quite a sudden dip in sales for a couple of weeks and started to think right nobody knows what this is yes you know we're gonna have to look into cost cuttings we're gonna have to look into you know stress testing the business and then all of a sudden it just took off (laughs) so we were we then kind of you know that was obviously amazing but we hadn't planned for it to suddenly boom either um so we were suddenly hiring quite a lot of people um doing quite a lot of video calls, which is something that none of us had ever done before. And I just remember sitting in this room with Anna, our head of customer support, and David just told us this story in a coffee shop. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, in a coffee shop. <laughs> and we were I both think I was like, home. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh, really? more romantic in a coffee shop, David. Yeah, let's keep it yes, let's say I was in a coffee shop. He had yes. his manifesto that he wrote on a napkin, you know. Wearing a beret. <laughs> it's very French. Exactly. Yep, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. So you just brought it all back, David. That's wow. so cool. And then, Jane, I know you had a little bit of a creative writing background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Leeds, which is like grim northern England. <laughs> the sun <laughs> never shines in Leeds, it rains every day. Perfect for um, a writer. Yeah. And yeah, I did an English lit degree and kind of decided that I was gonna be a journalist or a writer of, you know, some sort. And I found myself back in Leeds um working in theatre PR of all things, which was, you know, in my head, like a writing job. Yeah. Um, and in theatre, which was cool. Um, a lot of Z-list celebrities. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess from there, like I had a few PR jobs. I also went freelance for a bit. And whilst I was freelance, I did a creative writing master's. And at that time, you know, I was kind of like, right, I'm never going back. So having a proper job, this is it, I'm going to be a writer. And then, like you said, Preston, it just kind of happens, doesn't it? Like an agency that I was freelancing for a lot told me that the tax man told them they had to hire me. (laughs) 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 I was like, well, if the tax man says you have to hire me, okay. There you go, yeah. (laughs) I shouldn't have given in so easily, should I? Now I think about it. I should have been like, no, 
No. I'm going to be a writer. Anyway. We like, wouldn't have you here, Jane. Come on. <laughs> and then I moved to London and then a recruiter, like, oh, not to sound too big-headed, but I get a lot of recruiter messages on LinkedIn and I usually ignore them. But there's one yeah. particular one from, you know, this company that supports artists making a living selling their art online. I was kind of like, I've got to go. Like, I've got to go see what this is. Oh, wow. And So they sought you and out. I, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I met with um, Jonas Almgren, who was CEO yes. at the time. I met him um, in, in LA. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was yeah, really cool. He like, like, you couldn't meet with Jonas and not be like, yes, I want to work with you. <laughs> yes, this is a very nice, open, amazing person. Yeah. Yeah. And so the rest is history, really. Although, you know, it's been... Like the art finder that I joined and the art finder that we are now, we've been through so much change and so much growth, you know, because yes. I've never had a job this long ever, but it really feels like it's been two, three, four different jobs, you know, it's, it's grown a lot. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, it's great that it also has, it sounds like it's challenged you too. Oh right, yeah, right, for sure. Right. And I think that's, like, that's a really good thing about startup life, isn't it, David, that you can <laughs> yeah. you can take things on, you know, if you're oh, the yeah. kind of person who likes to own things, who likes to, you know, have an idea and grab it and go with it, like, it's yours yeah, for it's, the taking. <laughs> it's really valuable as well, because I think if you work for a very big company, you usually will get given a very specific role, which mm-hmm. have very specific tasks that you have to do, and you're very limited in your little box of this is what I need to do for this big company. I'm one part of a big chain, and and that's kind of what it is. Um, working for a big a, a startup company generally means that you have to be really adaptable really quickly because things change a lot. They have yeah. to adapt a lot. They have to improve. You have to put several hats on. You can't just do one thing. You have to learn a little bit about everything. Uh, and in the long run, what you find is that it creates people that are very capable in several areas that understand the ins and outs of the business as a whole, not just a s- small part. So when problems happen, there's a lot more brain power there that's available for you to be able to you know, work at how to deal with that and what's the best solution for it. And that doesn't really always happen in like very, very big company. If the person that makes a decision is not available, the decision is not made. So so I think it's it's hard work. I'm yeah. not gonna say it's not. It's hard work and you have to you have to keep your wits about and you have to make sure that you know you don't take the stress on and you you deal with it perfectly. But but generally speaking it's probably the best experience one anyone could have is working for a startup company. Oh, that's awesome. And we're probably pushing it a bit, calling ourselves a startup 11 years in, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, probably, we should think yeah, about that. No, no. Hey, milk it for <laughs> all you it's know, worth. It's yeah. that <laughs> kind of vibe. It's that kind of atmosphere. We're still a small and growing business. And I think it's like, you know, we're a room full of people who enjoy working like that. So, yeah. You know, it's it's culturally a startup. <laughs> well, that's also a good little segue. I was going to save this for later, but... Let's talk about Art Trender being a certified B Corp. What does that mean, first of all? And and can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. So we certified as a B Corp in 2019. Um, I think B Corp is a little bit better known in the US than it is over here. Um, it is Even a- though most of us are like, huh? You know? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's probably just artists. You know, we, we don't, I mean. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Sorry, just go ahead. Well, Patagonia, the clothing company, is a big mm-hmm. one over there. Ben and Jerry's, yes. B Corp. 
Um, and it it's a certification for for profit businesses, um, holding them up to a certain ethical standard. So on environmental measures, on social impact, and it's like very scientifically measured. So there's a um, whole certification process which takes most businesses like six months yeah. um, to a year to complete and it's kind of very stringent set of criteria and you know everything is proof checked and then if you get a score of 80 or above out of 100 you get to certify as a B Corp and even then when you've reached that bar which you know most don't the first time yeah. you have to recertify every three years and the expectation is that your score will increase so we made it through in 2019 and we have now started the process of recertifying which we need to do in 2022 yeah and we need to improve our score so like, I guess the, the nice thing about B Corp is that all the things it measures you on and scores you against are all of these things that we really want to do. So yeah, right. things, and the things we have to do to score better on B Corp are um, working on our carbon footprint and becoming carbon neutral. I love it. Which is I a big it. one for us. And, you know, how do we even begin to measure the carbon impact of all of our artist shipments going all over the world every day. Like <laughs> that is a big, big task. Um, a and big then once task. we've measured it, how do we best offset it? How do we reduce it? Um yeah. Because so you have to be practical. Right. You have to be practical. It's a business. You have to be able to function as a business, but yeah. to be able to offset that. Like that's my my wife and I, it's one of our biggest, you know, issues is climate change. And that's the primary reason we actually became plant-based for about seven or eight years ago. Cause we were like, we're going to offset our carbon oh, footprint, but you know, it's one of those things where we still couldn't afford to buy an electric car or something like that, but we still have to drive yeah, with fuel. So yeah, you have to be practical, but also do yeah. what you can. And I love that about our finder that they're doing that. So can you be a B Corp without being certified? Is that a dumb question? <laughs> Uh, no, you cannot. Okay. Basically. So yeah. you have to apply to the charity who run the certification are called B Lab and they have like their regional branches. So ours is B Lab in the UK and there'll be one in the US and you know okay. around the world. And yeah. they run the program and they certify the businesses. So you cannot just be one. You cannot okay. buy it. Yeah. You cannot pretend you like this is mm. the great thing about it, right? It's it's a legit certification and you either earn it or you do not. Oh, and I'm sure some companies have tried to buy it. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sure yeah probably, yes. yes. <laughs> and probably yes. in the United yeah. States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to name any names. You know who you are. But um, I like also that they have to check in on you every three years because that does hold you accountable, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's amazing. David, and also, you want to, I oh, guess sorry. in terms of sorry, in terms of like when and why we did that, I think Artfinder has always like had a mission and a belief that we exist to support artists, and that is what we do. Yeah, and we've always done those things, but I think without that sort of formal certification that says that, it's just words, and you yeah. know, it's like it's quite cool to be good at the minute isn't it like you know it's it's nice marketing to say nice things and we just wanted 
we wanted to actually do it and we wanted to hold ourselves accountable and you know when we heard of B Corp it just made sense to us to do that yeah even though you know a lot of time and energy and resource went into that process at a time when our sales were really not in the best place you know there were plenty of other <laughs> other areas we could be focusing our interest but yeah it felt important and it has been transformational actually for the business for like the people that we've hired mm-hmm. you know every single person who works at Artfinder now is here because they believe in our mission and our purpose and you know that means that they love coming to work every day that means that they go above and beyond it yeah. like it's all like I think the very ethos of B Corp is that good for the planet and doesn't have to mean bad for business right and it's it's balancing yeah. it's nice Profit that it's both. Purpose, yeah. Right? yeah 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 which is doable I think that's that's a really important message that it is doable you don't have to sacrifice your values just because you want to make money uh and you can live by your values and still make money and those two things are not mutually exclusive for sure and Jane is a hundred percent right on this knowing that the company you work for puts those values at the forefront of what they do, knowing that not only are you helping artists make a living out of their art, but you're also planting trees for every artwork that gets sold. And, you know, things like that. It motivates you to want to work twice as hard, to want to give everything you have to this company because they're doing something right and you're doing something right. And that's, to me, that's capital. Like if I know that whatever I'm doing for my job is having a small impact, even a small impact on the planet generally on making things better, then what would you not want to? Do you know what I mean? Yes, and it's also extra incentive to the company and also to the artist to sell yeah. work because everything that's sold, you're getting trees planted. That's amazing. Exactly, and to the customers to buy them. Yeah, exactly. And to the customers to buy them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So buy more work from Artfinder. Plant <laughs> <laughs> more trees. Yeah. No, I, yeah, exactly. But I also love that you, what you said, Jane, about you know, kind of putting your money where your mouth is, getting certified as a yeah. B Corp. It's one of those things where nowadays kids see through all the bullshit you know what i mean they they're used to hearing the words but they want to see actions that back it up and that's what you're doing so that's great so i wanted to ask about well we talked about your creative side uh let's get into the community a little bit because art finder artists are wonderful and i've made some great international friends from art finder that we communicate all the time actually an artist Damien Venditti and I did a couple pieces where we oh, yeah. started we started an artwork <laughs> and then we sent it across like I sent it to Australia he finished it he did one there he sent it to me and I finished it here so it's been really amazing. cool yeah it's really cool and I've met his family they came down here and or over here it's wonderful I love meeting all these people but I'm sure there's also the side that's like we said at the beginning it's difficult to kind of balance all that everybody's trying to sell work of course which is understandable and not everybody is selling work um, or selling work as much as some people. So I'm sure it's complicated. I wanted to ask both of you, and I know, David, you're the, the leader. <laughs> the, yeah. the leader. Um, <laughs> bow down, yes. I'm bowing for you if you can't see. Yeah. But um, are there any artists' best practices, things that artists should do, best ways to kind of communicate on there? Because I think a lot of artists don't really realize that sometimes they're just screaming into the abyss you know it's not really the best way Mm -hmm. to communicate so i think that was a very loaded question but uh (laughs) it's no it's a great it's a great question it's not an easy question but it's a great question 
I would say that it's it's difficult because you have to put yourself in in the mind of the artist in this sense. If this is your bread and butter and you're you know feeding your family with it, you're paying your rent and this is, you know your roof is resting on you selling your art. Um, yeah you will care very little about the impact of it on other sellers. You will only care about how is it impacting you and what are you not selling personally. And as a company, you will tend to address people as a whole because you can't just do individual work all the time. So finding that balance between addressing personal you know, issues that people may have about not being featured enough or not having enough sales, things like that. And generally what we are able to do as a business for our entire community is very difficult. We care about everyone's feedback and about how everyone feels, but we're not always able to address everything every time because obviously if you have you know, of a six as an artist on the platform. Not everyone will be able to be promoted the same way all the time. And that's, that is part and parcel of, you know, being online. Yes. Um, it's not easy. If you have five artists in an exhibition, then it's much easier for them to get equal exposure and to be able to meet customers and be able to to generate sales. So when you're online, it's, it's something that you have to take on the chin is that things will fluctuate and they do tend to generally fluctuate quite regularly. Uh, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that it's not going well. Sometimes you'll do really well. Sometimes you'll do a little bit worse uh but overall the balance is the same um so that's definitely something that's difficult to find i would say that uh, what's important generally whenever anyone has an issue and they want to express this and just try and find a solution to get more views for example to generate more sales is to try and not see it as a single problem but think about what is the thing that you are, you're trying to achieve? Like, what is your dream goal there? Is mm-hmm. it just to want equal permission for everyone? Because it's very unlikely to happen. And unless yeah. we triple the team and we we triple the size of the website so that we can promote everyone everywhere, then it's not going to happen. So what is your next best solution? What are you trying to achieve? And and try and give ideas as well and feedback regularly um, rather than wait for things to get really bad so that it's really frustrating and then you have to get it out in usually a way that is not the most constructive way to get it out. We'll still listen to it, but you know, if you're shouting, you get less out of something than if you're yeah. calmly expressing what's happening. Very so true. I would say ask as many questions as you can when they come rather than when they pile up. If you feel that something is not right, that you would like to be more featured, then just say so. Ask other people around you as well, because often as an artist, we're very focused on what we're doing and this is what we're doing. Well, things are happening to all those artists as well, and they have a breadth of experience and they're very, very willing to share it. Um, So I would say make the most of the community as it is. Go to the forum, ask other sellers what their experience is, send them a DM, like make sure that you communicate with other artists to understand exactly what the whole picture is. Because you may look at things from your point of view, but it is only one point of view. And sometimes we have to look at a bigger picture to understand why something is not happening, why a feature is working a certain way, why a feature needs to be prioritized over another, which may not always be you know, to everyone's benefit, but it will be to yes. the overall benefit of the community as a whole. And that's that's the thing that we have to kind of work with. You have to look at it almost as a rising tides lifts all boats type thing. Exactly that. Now it's hard because obviously as artists, we have to balance that. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of artists out there who understand that, but then there's like what Jane said, if you got to pay your mortgage, obviously you need to make sales. So it's kind of that it's that balance that we need to strike because I think a lot of mm-hmm. artists, they do have to focus so much on self and, you know, 
this is my creation and, and this is all about me. So it's really nice. And that's something that I've tried to do with the podcast too, is foster a little bit more community, realize that there are other artists out there, their success is your success in some way, yeah. or at least is a, an example of what you can achieve if you do it this way. And yeah, reach out to people. Unlike any other time in history, there's so many artists that are just accessible at your fingertips. You can just DM them, you can reach out. And most of them will answer you. I know I answer a lot of people. So that's great. That's great advice. Jane, did you have yeah. anything you wanted to add? No. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> no, I mean, I think David, oh, I, I think, think David asked you well. And yeah. I guess like, although 6,000 artists is a lot of artists, we do pride ourselves on fostering those relationships and yes. on being there and listening and it's a two-way relationship and you know your business is our business mm-hmm. so yeah. we've got to look after each other and we we do our best it's <laughs> <laughs> interesting isn't it when you think about how that's changed like if you think 50 years ago artists were struggling to get noticed anywhere by anyone in general just get yeah. your work out there being recognized and you could spend your whole lifetime and we know a lot of very famous artists who have gone through exactly that uh, van gogh is the first one that comes to mind but of course yeah. uh, because it's a very obvious example of this that you could spend your life just creating work and no one has seen it and i have a brother and- who has actually has an art gallery as well right I know, I know. And even then, that wasn't enough. Yeah. Uh, and now we have uh, all sorts of platforms for artists to be able to show their work physically or online. But what it means is that everyone is there available to be seen. Uh, and so, you know, there's always, I feel there's always a price to pay. Like, it's never going to be 100% perfect or exactly as people want it, uh, because that's not what life is about. Uh, yes. And and, you know, we learn from our mistakes. So probably we need to do a few mistakes as well because it's important in the learning process. But but yeah, rely on that community because now we have access to artists from all around the world as well. I mean, how amazing that you can speak to someone in Australia, mm-hmm. someone in India, someone in Japan. Like what an amazing world that we live in that we can, we, we have access to that. It's crazy. And I, I love it. I mean, it's given so many artists the ability to actually make a living. Now you have to take responsibility and you have to start putting in the work and the consistency, but it's available preach. now. And, <laughs> <laughs> preach! And, but also yeah. like, you know, it's one of those things where, I, I lost my train of thought. I started thinking about preaching, but um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so yeah, you. I mean, you have to do the work. There has to be the consistency of work, but I also love that in the past, it was just there were the, these gatekeepers, right or wrong, you know, mm-hmm. so, and some of them, it, it didn't have anything to do with the quality of the work. It was just like, no, you can't come in. You can't be a part of the of the club. But now you can be. If you have the work ethic and you have the quality of work and you can work with other people, you can make a living as an artist now. And, and I've tried to provide a little bit of a blueprint of that, but really it's just about doing the work, getting in the lab, creating, being consistent, being consistent with your marketing, being consistent with your uploads, and just trying to always get better. And also people have to understand that sometimes certain genres of art don't sell as well as others and maybe that will shift too right i'm sure you've experienced that with art finder yeah for sure and i think what you're talking about there is really interesting and we've seen it through our gender equality report that we've done the past few years like women as a whole are still massively underrepresented in the high-end art world and why is that when on art finder we've been 
Oh, I think I'm losing you a little bit, Jane. Oh no. Uh oh. It was a very important part. <laughs> do you, um, do you, do you mind if, if I stop this and save it and send you another link? Is that possible? Yeah. No, go okay, for it. Okay, great. Cause I just want to make sure we have this. If there's some technical problems, give me one sec here. Yeah. No, yeah, let me just send a link. I don't think. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, here's yeah. Jane. Okay. Awesome. I'm just going to send you, send the link to Jane. I think she's coming on right now. I know she's got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just yeah that. Perfect. Perfect. So sorry about you that. Lost everything. Sure. Have you lost everything. Have you saved everything? All safe. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Well, we lost everything. So we got to start We lost over. everything. We have to start again. Yeah, thank I you. Actually, <laughs> I actually kind of like stopping halfway to just save stuff because you never know. You know, sometimes in LA we have blackouts and you lose everything. So it's good to at least oh, have no. the first that's wise. half of this. You know? That's wise. Yeah. Uh, I found it quite interesting that as soon as Jane started to talk about gender equality, she just got <laughs> It's the man. It's the patriarchy, man. We don't want to talk man. about that, everyone. The patriarchy. Patriarchy, man. Keeping the woman down. Um, controlling, the, controlling the connections, yes. Yeah, well, what I was going to say... Oh, and wait, sorry. Are you... Okay, I thought you were muted for a second. Sorry, Jane. So <laughs> we're just going to mute you when you talk about women. No. Um, horrible. So I consider myself a feminist, always have. And I'm, I love that Artfinder is doing that. I think what you were saying was Artfinder is actually... Even though the art world is still not underrepresenting women. What I've seen is women are actually selling better on the platform than men are, right? Yeah, absolutely. So cool. in terms of sellers, we are 53% women. So it's really even. Oh, nice. Um, but then, yeah, we have seen that our women sell more. <laughs> so more <laughs> artwork for a greater total value. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just not what we see in the high-end art world, right? And I think that is yeah. because of those mm. gatekeepers. It um, is. Yeah. I remember last so, year, was it last year? We looked at the top 10 most earning artists uh, worldwide. And in the top 10, there was not a single woman. And I me? saw that was so shocking yeah, to me. Yeah, I was yeah. really shocked. Really, wow. really shocked. There was at least a couple of names, at least a couple of names that came to mind straight away, which I said would be on the list, and they weren't. They were quite far down on the list. And it was, might was... not be the case anymore, but certainly yeah. maybe not. Years yeah. Ago, yeah, the world's yeah. richest living artists, the top ten were all men. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah, you know it's funny because it's my experience has been. It's it's interesting to see that because my experience coming into the art world and doing this for 20 years is I've seen women represented like in the galleries that I take part in Shockbox, I'm represented by Shockbox, and we have a very strong female community and actually they mm. seem to be kicking ass more than men are here too, which is great. I love to see it. So it's interesting to see that that still is holding on. You know, I don't know what this entity is. I know it's the patriarchy. You can just say that, but like, it feels like we're making progress and I don't know what else we need to do to get there. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the art world is such a kind of old beast. And if we're talking about representation in galleries and museums, we're going back hundreds of years. And, you know, I get, yeah, like Terry just said, time, like things. Yeah, it's hard to change mentalities, isn't it? Yeah, Um, it is. Well, and it's nice and be to vocal, see. like be vocal, just champion the things that you feel you need to champion as well. Um, yeah. You know, in recent years, we've seen 
social media has a lot of <laughs> cons, but but one pro is that it's given a voice to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just a personal opinion, really. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what it's done, though, is given a voice to a lot of people that didn't have a voice before. Uh, and, and it's allowed people to be more vocal. And not only people that were affected by it, not only women, but also supporters and, and, and people that, you know, that want to help women uh, be in the position that they should be in, life, which is equal. It's crazy to me that it's still, you know, same job, different salaries. It's just an atrocity to me. Like, I don't yeah. even know how that's even possible legally. How right, exactly. Possible. So, yeah, so you have to fight, you have to fight for this and you have, you have to be vocal, you know, where it matters and make sure that you, you get your voice heard. I completely agree. And some of my favorite working artists right now are women. I love their work and I think they're doing some of the most cutting edge art right now. So Shout out to all the women out there. It's changing, hopefully, uh, for the better, and it'll continue to go that direction. Um, Jane, sorry, did you? Were you saying something else? I don't. I feel like I don't want to yeah. feel like we cut you off. Like women are doing better, right, right Jane? No. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> no, I guess just that it is is and was a revelation to me that when you remove those gatekeepers and you remove those barriers that there are just as many women as men artists out there and they have the same opportunities. And, yeah. you know, I think that a marketplace like Artfinder is a kind of leveler in a lot of ways because, like you said, it's about working hard. It's about creating the art. It's about marketing yourself. Like, it, it's a lot and it's a lot to do, but you have as fair a chance as anyone else, which is so different to that gallery model. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Completely agree. So. As much as I hate to do it, I want to talk about COVID. I call it on the podcast, the virus, which will not be named. But um, I wanted to ask how it has challenged you <laughs> and uh, personally and Artfinder as a company. I know that I experienced the same thing as what you were talking about, Jane. I had a dip in sales at the beginning and I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? And then my sales kind of picked back up and then I had moments where it even skyrocketed. So that was wonderful for artists, but um, I know there were also other challenges. So I'd love to hear you talk about them either personally or as a company. And, and you know what? And I'll, I should I should just start picking people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jane, go for it. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'll find a story. I guess you've heard a little bit, and from that initial skyrocket moment in kind of late March, early April, like our whole of 2020 into 21 was just this like incredible roller coaster you know yeah. it just kept kept growing and I think our sales were something like 146 percent up oh wow from 2019 to 2020 so you know huge That's um huge. and then kind of as we fed through 2021 things have evened out a little bit um in terms of like trying to predict the business's growth now it's been like the craziest of years because just nobody knows right and you know it's quite I think it's quite easy to say we've had a year of this incredible growth we're going to do even more incredibly next year yeah. um, but yeah. then you know all the galleries of the world were closed pretty much everywhere was closed for all of that time people were stuck in their houses like it was not a normal year and no. you know we like the world will never be the same again in so many ways, right? Not just related to our businesses or our lives, just, you know, I think it will be 
a chance for everyone and everything to reevaluate and what that means for the future of Outfinder sales, really nobody can possibly say, can they? <laughs> right, right. Um, and the ripple effect. So we're just we're just riding the wave. Um, yes. As as you do. Um, and I think, you know, what we're coming out into is some kind of post-COVID touch word normal. And we're a better Hopefully. business for it. We're a bigger business for it. It's, yeah, it's, as you say, it's like, a, it, it's been such a hard time for so many people, but for online retail, it has been good. Yes. And it's possible to have, you know, your business doing well and have a lot of personal challenges and familial challenges while that's going on. So even if somebody's doing well, they can still be suffering. I know I've had people that have experienced that in my own life, but it's interesting for me because I've always been preaching, you know, get online, get online. It's the future of art sales. (laughs) But I think what happened with COVID is there was like a flooding of the market too. All these people who were averse to doing that in the past are like, no, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get online, I gotta get online. So everybody's getting online, including galleries. I know the gallery that I work with, we started doing virtual openings. That's all we did. And it was better than our, you know, the in-person openings. People were getting a chance. Artists were getting a chance to talk and have a platform to talk to everybody out there, all the collectors, and everybody was just focused on them. So we're trying to kind of carry over that model a little bit and do some sort of hybrid. But I think, Part of the reason why sales are dipping a bit is because don't you think that the market is a bit flooded online right now? J- uh, David? I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, whoever wants Jane. You had, no, you no, had Jane answer. is good. <laughs> okay, Jane, go for uh, it. I could be wrong. I'm just you know, I guess here. in my six years at Artfinder, we have had a nonstop mountain of artists applying to sell on the site. Yes. Like it that has always been overwhelming <laughs> yeah like you know there's and i did we see an increase in applications during covid we did okay but not to the same extent as we saw customer growth actually oh really um yeah and i guess as i said though like we're, we're used to that we're used to a huge number of artists applying to sell with us every month and actually yes. One change that we've made to the business in recent years is the percentage of those we accept, <laughs> which has gone down <laughs> massively. Yeah. Um, so we currently accept something like twenty percent of artists who apply to Artfinder. Like it's it's at an all time low, and that is because as a marketplace, you have to balance those two sides, right? And Definitely. You know, it's practical too. You can't just have a hundred thousand. We need to serve the artists that we have. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the bit of the market that we know about, it hasn't felt like that much of a massive difference. So it's interesting to hear you say that, Preston, because obviously, like you know, you have a kind of wider, you know, knowledge than we do. We just know what I know. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I, I guess being on different art marketplaces and like with galleries and stuff. I mean, I know. I've seen artists who've never been online having a lot of questions. I've gotten a lot more questions from people, friends, like, oh, should I get on this line? Should I do this? So I guess maybe in general, and if you've got a little bit of an uptick, maybe it's being spread out a bit, but I think it's safe to say maybe it's not flooded, but it's the water <laughs> levels are rising, you know? <laughs> so, and you, David, uh, I know you, when we talked last on email, you were going to visit your mom. You hadn't seen her. In mm-hmm. two and a half years, I've had a similar yeah. situation here with my family. Has that been hard for you? I mean, as far as my mom is concerned, yes, it's been yes. difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I think I think the uncertainty of things is what I've struggled the most with because 
of course, in the last 20, 30 years, no one has sat down and said, if there was a global pandemic right now, what would be the impact uh-huh. on the art business or what would be the right. impact on my job? Or what? Do you know what I mean? Like no one was prepared for it. It's happened before in the past, but we, I think we just presume that we above that kind of thing happening again. And yeah. then it happened and everyone went into panic of like, is this it? Is this the end of the world? Like it was genuinely, I think you could have genuinely thought that and not, you know, be crazy. It, it was very scary at the beginning. We just didn't know where it was going to go. Apocalyptic. And what was going to be yeah. the impact of it. Yeah. And then it started to last a lot longer than people expected. And there was lockdowns and it was out of lockdown and back into lockdown. And, and you think, what is going on? Like, what's going to happen? Like, what's the, what's the long term? They have a rough plan of, you know, there may be a first, second and a third wave. But really what I felt like is that across the globe, people just didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't yeah. know how long it was going to last. We didn't know how it was going to impact us. Um, as a result of this, one thing that humans do very well is adapting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we did that. We did very that. Uh, companies have re- we thought how working is done. Hundreds of companies that would never have considered working remotely before have then taken the plunge and realized that yeah. actually there is a lot of work that can be done remotely before it becomes a problem. Of course, if you're a hairdresser, you can't do that remotely. If you're, right. you know, there's a lot of jobs where they're going to be very badly affected and it's, it's been very hard for them for sure. But I think the world has realized that actually you can do a lot of things online and you can do a lot of things remotely. And that's been a big reassurance. It shifted yeah. a lot of mentalities. Uh, it shifted the way we look at our life and the way we live our life. So I agree with Jane. I think it's, it's going to be transformational for society generally. What comes out of it? I can't tell you because I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, a more connected society, maybe a more free society that's able to do things according to what they how to they want to do it, rather than being dictated and this is like set in stone. This is how we do things in another way. I yeah. think we we more adaptable now than we ever were. Hopefully, we learn from this as well and we can plan if there was ever a next one. <laughs> I think yeah, right. <laughs> I hope not. But I think like for artists generally, I think it's been different because. As an artist, and I mean, you tell me if you feel the same person or not, but as an artist, I feel that you are already quite insular by nature. Oh, yeah. Because you're used to taking the time that you need to take for you to be able to create, which is a very solitary process. It's not something that people can input to generally. Uh, you're, you're in the zone and this is what you're doing. When we went into lockdown, to me, there was not much difference because I wasn't really leaving the house anyway. So I got told, well, you can work from home. You don't have to see anyone. The parks are empty here. Nature's coming over. So this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, when you start, you know, dealing with like the, the actual real impact of the pandemic and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like the deaths and, and not seeing your nearest and dearest for a long time and people that, you know, sadly lost people that they weren't able to see for one last time, like all this is just heartbreaking and that's the reality of it. And you just, you know, realize what the impact of it is. But yeah, at first I was like, mm, okay, I think, I think I can do this. Like I yeah. think I can do this. Long time. It does, it does weigh on you a lot more. And I found out. Now I'm probably handling COVID less well than I did to begin with, because now it's just a matter of like, I just want it to end. I just want us to go back to, you know, being able to celebrate each other and, and, and celebrate with each other and just meet each other face to face, have a drink at the pub, <laughs> you know, like little things like coughing What's in public with that feeling that you're going to get shot, <laughs> like things like that are really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, the pandy that won't quit, you know, it seems mm-hmm. like everywhere. And there are communities that just kind of, they want to hold on to it. I know we've got people here. I'll go out for a morning walk sometimes and I'll see somebody 
at seven in the morning with nobody around them outside walking with a mask on. And it's like, what, what's going to, what's going to happen, you know? So Mm -hmm. I I think there's still a lot of fear and even some, I don't know, I don't want to speak for any governments or anything, but like there are certain countries that are still have borders closed. Some countries are suffering more than others. Like in LA kind of feels like we're kind of getting back, but then every day I get, you know, news bulletins, COVID cases are yeah. surging and stuff. And I'm like, well, what's real here? And then the whole, it's the same here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole madness with what is truth now, like truth is in question. So mm-hmm. it's becoming very complicated, but we're, we're not a political podcast, but we can, we can definitely talk about that a little more. I did want to talk about another one. That's just, you know, it's gotta be talked about NFTs. I don't know if, if art finder has talked about NFTs at all. I'm still on the fence, but I'm, I'm dipping my toes in. I've got friends who are doing pretty well in NFTs. Is there going to be an ArtFinder NFT experiment? It's possibly a controversial answer, but no. Ooh, I <laughs> we like it. don't I like, like it. NFTs, Preston. We don't <laughs> like them because, three guesses, um, their environmental know, impact. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it just doesn't feel sensible to us yeah. to go there. And it also feels like this huge zeitgeist that just everyone thinks that it's the thing to do right now and talk about a flooded market right we don't we don't think it's cool so no okay okay (laughs) it's a very short answer to that question (laughs) which i had a longer one (laughs) no no i love it because i think that there are some people i had a a friend on who is like an NFT master <laughs> and he okay. recently, like a couple episodes ago, and he kind of gave a blueprint of success in the NFT market. And he even talked about climate change and, you know, the carbon footprint of some of them. And there are some companies that are actually completely carbon neutral. So there is that aspect to it, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we are talking about a flooded market. Um, that's definitely a flooded market. And I think it, I don't know if NFTs are going to go away, but I definitely don't think everybody has to jump on the bandwagon. And I think there's room mm. for, I think there's room for both moving forward, you know? For sure. I don't know, like a lot of people are saying like, is NFTs the future of the art world? I, I don't know if it is. Like, right. I, don't, I don't know enough about NFTs to like make an informed guess, but it feels very faddy to me. Uh, yeah. It feels a bit like a fad. Everyone's jumping on it, like really famous people and us selling, you know, like, a tiny note, music note for 14 millions yeah, and right, everyone exactly. wants to get on the bandwagon. I don't think it's going to work like that for anyone, you know, that isn't a celebrity. Uh, and I don't know if this is the future or not. I would find it very hard to think that a physical artwork will disappear fully the same way that Kindles have not replaced books. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, but they're still there. So they're still there. Yeah. yeah, I I think it'll be, it'll start to dissipate a bit and I think it'll just, it'll exist and they will coexist. You know, hopefully I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody who's just like an NFT focused artist out of business or anything because I think think they can, I think they can make money and they, and they are making money. So, but it's Mm -hmm. nice to hear. It's nice to hear that they're not, you guys aren't dipping into (laughs) as a company, the NFT market. No, not anytime soon for sure. Okay. Okay, cool. But you are doing an on-demand print rollout i saw recently right you're doing like a you have like a fulfillment partner that you're doing did you want to talk about that a little bit Jane? oh we are running a very small well no we absolutely can um a very small test of on-demand prints through amazon uk 
okay. <laughs> and UK only to begin with. Okay. Um, because that's our biggest market and it's what we know best. Yeah. Um, but that is something that we have been thinking about for actually years, <laughs> years and years and years. Um, yeah. And so it kind of feels, you know, amazing that we're finally there and we are live and we will see how the appetite for that is with the long-term aim of being able to fulfill prints on Artfinder. Yes. And now can, just speaking for the artist community, can any artists on Artfinder eventually, will they be able to join this or is it going to be a select group? Well, it's very early stages. So we have a trial with a few artists. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that eventually, like everything on Artfinder, we would roll that out to all artists. But yeah. that somewhat depends how the test goes. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it might go terribly. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Right. Um, and, and maybe there's a little bit of a crossover with the NFT market here. Maybe there's a little barrier between the two. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Don't, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I hope it does well. I think it's a great idea. And I would love to take part in it down the road, too. Uh, David, yeah. did you have anything you wanted to add? No, not much. I think I think it's important to like look at different avenues that we could uh, take to help artists make a living, test things as well, and make sure that you know we see if it's valuable or not. There is no point us putting all the work into you know making this live on Artfinder, which is a, a big it's a big job to put that in place. I think it makes sense to test this um, with a different customer base. On, on a smaller scale to see if it is feasible or not and what's the reception for that before we, you know, invest proper work into making this on the platform. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I wanted to talk a little bit about shipping because that's one thing that differentiates Artfinder a bit from other online art marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them do kind of set up shipping and, and there's positives and negatives to each side. I've, I've done both. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I actually am grateful for Artfinder to learn because I learned so much about shipping. My first sale was like this big piece to, I think it was, it wasn't to London, but it was, it was to England. And I was like, I, I have no idea what to do here. Like I have no idea. And mm-hmm. then I was, my wife and I were literally walking down the street, carrying this package because we couldn't fit it in our car. And we were getting turned away at all these different USPSs. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So I learned so much. And now I get so many questions from artists. Like, how do you ship? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you use? So I'm very grateful for that. It helped me grow my business and and learn a lot about my business. But I wanted to ask you, have there been challenges? What have been the challenges and the benefits of having the artist be responsible for their own shipping? Challenges wise, I think the most challenging thing has been for artists, to be honest. I mean, we're not going to shy from that. Not every artist is a shipping expert. We certainly aren't shipping expert either. So, you know, we, we understand that it's a lot of information to have to absorb. Uh, if you're already busy creating artworks, so you may not also have the time to be looking around everywhere. The information changes a lot, um, quite yeah. often. Um, there's been a lot of big changes recently as well in terms of VAT, in terms of Brexit. It's complicated things a lot. Um, so we know it's a big piece for everyone to have to tackle. I think we're all in agreement that eventually we would love to take that away from artists and just mm-hmm. like deal with shipping generally. That was it is, question. again, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's something that that needs time and resources. And that is, again, a big thing to implement. 
I think for now, what we can do, the best thing we can do, and that's what we've, we've been trying to do as much as we can, is supply resources and make sure that there are avenues for artists to not only ask us, but also to ask other artists in, in the same countries, how are they shipping their artworks and what's the best way to package it? What's the best way to deal with customs and how should you, what should you put on your invoice? Um, yes. Create as much material, learning material as we can to facilitate that. I think the cons of having a company organizing shipping for you is that what they tend to do is they have a flat fee for the shipping cost. And if you manage your own shipping cost and, and if you know that you can get it quite cheap, then that's quite a good incentive for a customer to want to buy your artwork. If a customer is told that they're going to have to pay twice the price of an artwork to get it shipped to their house, it's very unlikely they're going to want to buy it. Um, So I think the the pros and the cons kind of balance itself out. But long term, I think we would definitely love to like provide more help for this and maybe take this over fully. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's interesting. That was my next question. But to any artist out there who is afraid of this aspect, look at it as something that's very empowering because it really does Mm. teach you a lot about your business. And once you kind of get over that fear and you do it, it's like, oh, I can do this. Okay, I know how to do this. So yeah, I think I think it's it has its pros and cons, uh, but it was something that I, I definitely wanted to ask. We're kind of coming to the end. I want to be mindful of both your time. Thanks for taking the time. But um, I have some kind of like rapid fire questions I ask at the end. But I, I wanted to ask you first, do you have any general advice for artists? Or do you think we've kind of covered that? Jane, I mean, I'm going to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, general advice for artists is... Oh, it's a massive cliche, isn't it? But just to do your art. Yeah. <laughs> do your art, work hard, be consistent with what you do, be consistent with your presentation. Our curatorial team look at every single new piece of art added to Artfinder every single day. So oh, nice. please do not feel ignored. You are being watched in the nicest <laughs> possible way. You're being watched. I mean, that's going to be the tagline for this. You will be recognized. You're being watched <laughs> in a nice way. Okay, that's cool. I like it. And and David, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, just like work hard. I agree. Like put the work in because uh, uh, there's a saying that's my favorite saying, which says nothing changes if nothing changes. Uh, yeah. which basically means that you have to make that change happen because otherwise it's never going to happen. So put the work in and don't give up because it's very easy to give up. Uh, but opportunities are there. You just haven't found them yet. So it's just a matter of going and, and trying to get them. Yeah, for sure. It's complicated being an artist, I know. But there's one thing that I've talked about quite a few times on the podcast, which is there's a lot of artists nowadays because there's so many opportunities available in social media. There's a tendency to kind of Oh, I'm an artist. Like I'm selling work before you even have a body of work. So I think that's mm. really good advice to just kind of focus on creating the work. I'm always saying that body work, body work. Like I'm approaching thousand pieces that I've created at this point. It's like it's important oh. to have that because it's something to fall back on. I sell pieces from 15 years ago all the time. And if I didn't have that inventory, I wouldn't be able to consistently sell. So I think that's really yeah. that's really good advice. Do you think that brick and mortar? And online art marketplaces are going to continue to coexist in the future? Or do you think it's kind of going to be a trend that everything eventually is online? Or do you, I mean, I know you can't predict that, but I just would love to hear your thoughts. I think we're back to David talking about Kindles and books. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think yeah, both, yeah. both can exist and will continue to exist and complement each other, you yeah. know, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. It's like my dad, my dad's in the, was in the movie theater business and everything that came out new, like if there was the video, the VHS, it's like, 
into the movie theater business, you know, DVDs into the business, streaming into the business, but it had, none of those things killed it. So I think you're right on. David, if you don't have anything to add, I'm just going to move on to the kind of rapid fire. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I always ask a few things. It's, it's hard because I have both of you, but like, I think maybe I'm going to give one to one of you. I want to start with just biggest failures. And I put failures in quotes because people hate that the way I phrase that. But what I mean is something that wasn't a success. And, and what did you learn from it as a company or personally? Was there a, a failure that you can think of? Something that kind of changed the trajectory of ArtFinder? And I'll let either one of you, if you have, <laughs> to jump in. Or you can talk about something personal, something that happened in your own life completely. Personal, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about ArtFinder because I've only been there for two years and I've not seen many failures. To be honest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so maybe they're hiding them from me. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> I've not seen them. We don't have failures. Um, yeah. No, personally, I think um, going freelance... At a, at a time where I wasn't ready to put the work in, where I hadn't developed a style that was mine, where I didn't have enough of a body of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I kind of weirdly thought that it would just happen. And, you know, I went out and talked to someone and that's how I got my first contract and then took someone else and that's how I got my first contract, my second contract. And it was all, it was all very relational based. What I didn't expect is that I needed to keep doing that all the time for me to be able to make it a, a, a proper sustainable business. And right. I didn't, and I didn't experiment enough. I didn't create enough. And I, I think I was just not mature enough, basically. I think you, you have to you know, have the maturity artistically, but mentally as well as a person. Like Definitely. I hadn't probably gone through enough. So I could have had more opportunities and I didn't seek them and I didn't do the work that I needed to do for that. And after that, I got really disheartened as a result because, you know, you, you have a dream that you want to pursue for a long time. And I think not pursuing it is a safety because as long as you don't pursue it, you can't fail at it. Exactly. So and you can always that, complain about it. Yeah. Like, oh, I should have been. <laughs> exactly. I can spend every job saying, ah, oh, I know I'm doing this now, but this yeah. is actually what I want to do. Actually, what I want to do as an artist. Well, once you do it, you, there's no turning back. And exactly. if it didn't work, it's, you know, it is a big thing to have to take on, on the chin. So, yeah. so I think, I, I think that was probably a failure on my part is doing it because I felt this is what I wanted to do rather than because it was the right time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, it reminds me of the the quote that Brene Brown always talks about of the credit goes to the one in the arena with the blood and the mud and the sweat on their face, you know, not the people in the audience who are like, oh, I could have done that or, you know, oh, they're doing that wrong. So yeah. Jane, did you have an art finder example? If not, I'm going to move on to something else for you. No, let's move on. <laughs> okay. See, no failures. I told you. I, I love it. I failures. Love it. No, art, no such thing. No failures in art. Gender. I love it. That's great. Okay. So I do, I always talk about artists and, and creative people, which I consider both of you creative people as kind of like superheroes and stuff. So I always ask what your superpower is. What do you do when you're not feeling it? This can be just work related. Like, do you have a routine or anything that just gets you motivated when you're not feeling it? Uh, so I'm a gymnast. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's well, cool. I'm a qualified gymnastics coach. And that has been my kind of other job since I've been like a teenager. And when I was a teenager, oh my God, it paid paid much better than any of my friends. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, these days, like, I yeah, I haven't actually worked doing that since having my son. And he's yeah. just sensory. So I don't really know if I can walk around saying I'm a gymnast. But um, 
throwing what, your kid what up I in the mean, air. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like I think when I'm not feeling it, I have to go and do something that isn't sitting at my desk. So I would go out for a run or I would do the splits in my living room. Or, you know, like just just remind myself that as human beings we have quite a varied range of needs and sitting staring at a computer all day is not normal. It's not normal. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think it's contributed to, I I hurt my back this year and I think it was partially stress of the pandemic and being sedentary and my back just gave out and I'm starting to kind of build that back up over about 10 months now. But yeah, I think just getting, getting moving is so important. And if you can get out in nature, even better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I'm going to move on to maybe one more because I know you guys probably have to go. So I'm going to go with you, David. Advice to your younger self. It can be any age. Parting uh, oh, some wisdom. <laughs> From the age of five to the age of 18. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, sure. they're all worthy of listening to that. <laughs> I would say experiment as much as you can. Um, yes. And don't listen to your insecurities. Don't listen to whatever inner saboteur voice you have inside that tells you that you're not good enough, that the work you do is not good enough, that there are better people out there, that you won't have as many opportunities as others. You know, whatever we tell ourselves to prevent ourselves from going forward and just be free. What I've learned now is that everything you do in your life, especially creatively, is a learning experience. And whether you're going to sell it or not, whether it's successful or not, whether you do it as a hobby, because you like doing it, because you felt like doing it in the moment, whether you like it after it or you don't, it doesn't really matter. The main thing is that you take something from everything that you do. Um, if you do something you don't yes. like, then it helps you define what you do that you do like. Um, so sure. everything is valuable. And I think I used to be very black and white in terms of what I produced before. And I used to be very critical about my own work. And and as soon as I would find something I didn't like, then it was basically garbage. Right. And and I threw so many things away that actually had value. Now I could do a line on a piece of paper and then find some beauty in it. And I'll learn from that. And I'll, maybe I'll use that somewhere else. Maybe I won't. But at least I'm not telling myself off for it. Uh, I think we can be very, very self-critical as artists. So it's important to like be kind to yourself. I completely agree. That's great advice. And it reminds me sometimes I used to do just pop surrealism. I just did figurative work for like 14 years. That's all I did. But I find that sometimes when I go back to stuff that I have previously discarded, I will find something in there. Even if I don't love the piece, I will find something in there that was hitting. And I'll be like, oh, this is a great idea that I forgot about. And then I can use that to kind of catapult me forward in a different direction. So I think that's, there's value to everything that we do. Um, Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And then I guess, Jane, you're the, you're the OG. So we're going <laughs> to, um, and I mean that in the best of ways, uh, we're going to end with you. And uh, just, is there anything that you'd like to say to the audience? Anything you want to say about Artfinder, just to kind of close up here? Oh, I guess just like we've already said to our artist community, we exist to support you. We exist to sell your art and we are here for you. Particularly yes. since David's appointment, you've got a leader now, you know? <laughs> you got a leader. Yes, yeah. just follow the leader. leader. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's it's nice to know as an artist that you're kind of held. It's nice mm-hmm. to have a community and I thank Artfinder for that. So thank you both so much for coming on. You can find Artfinder, www.artfinder.com. What's uh, social media? I'll let you tell us. Um, Artfinder underscore com. 
Is that yes. Instagram? Yes, that's the Instagram. And yeah, check them out. There's always great, great posts, great stories. You just highlighted Ronald Hunter and his partner. That was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, there's always some cool stuff going on. And yeah, check them out. Thanks for coming on. It's been really fun. And hopefully at some point down the road, we might have the CEO on. So yeah, can, for yeah. sure. He's keen. He's keen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Stick around for one minute and we'll just say our goodbyes right now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Weston. Thank you. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.